you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. You remember this, you don't have to turn here, but you may remember this scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, when it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. When you look at that, there's another translation there that says, I am. His name will be called Wonderful, and Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. When you turn over in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou call, and shall call his name Jesus, the I Am. For he shall save his people from their sins. Aren't you thankful for that today? That he has saved us from our sins. When you think about the Lord, you think about Jesus, when you think about this I am, of all the wonderful names that we could come up with, and we just give you some here in Isaiah about wonderful and counsel and the mighty God, and that's, that's just really a snid bit of all the wonderful names that, that Jesus has called in Scripture. But out of all these wonderful names, probably I am is the most foundational. It's the most foundational, the deepest root name of, of Jesus, the umbrella name, if you will, of where all the other names Come to rest. Jesus said, I am, many times stating his claim as the Son of God, as he declared himself to be the Messiah. And Jesus could add something else today. He probably, as a matter of fact, he never did quote it. I, didn't, never, I never read it anywhere where he quoted this, but I can tell you today that he could say today, especially this time of year, that I am Christmas as well. We got all these other things. We got the bows and tinsel and the paper, and we've got all the festivities, and we got all the parties and all of these things. But, but in reality, Jesus is Christmas as well. You can kick him out of the nativity. You can take his name out of Merry Christmas and all of these things, and you can do all of those things, take his name out of the holiday all you want to. But you'll never be able to undo the fact that he truly is Christmas this year. Amen. The main text today is the account, many of you remember the story, of where God called Moses to be the deliverer of Israel out of Egypt. You'll remember that Moses here is on the backside of the desert and no one is, is present but him and God. They're all alone. And God told him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Moses is hesitant and they start this conversation and it changes to the children of Israel and Moses begins to ask God, what name shall he use in convincing the, the Israelites to go with him. God makes this statement that has been repeated thousands and probably millions of times since in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, where it says, Moses, I want you to, I want you to say that I am that I am. 
And he said, thus you will say this to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. You may say, well, we know that. That's Jehovah. That's Jehovah God. That's God the Father. And it is. And it's Christ as well. In the New Testament, we see Jesus is used, his name several times. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the door. He says, I am the way. He says, I am the truth. I am the life. I'm the true vine. I am the good shepherd. And that's just to mention a few. Matter of fact, in John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, it said what? I am. Have you ever stopped to think why did why uh, why did not why didn't God uh, co- uh, continue this phrase in Exodus chapter three verse fourteen why why did He just say I am that I am why didn't He go ahead and just state what He is You see you got to understand that when we're dealing with God there's no beginning and there's no end Amen. There are no boundaries with God. There's no height. There's no depth limitations. God is without boundary. Has, had he stated that he was, that he would have limited himself to that particular claim that I am, that I am. What, what is he? Can I tell you this morning that God is whatever we need him to be to you and I today. If you're here today and you need a comforter today, he is the comforter. If you're here today and you need somebody to to provide for you. He is the provider. If you're here today and you need a Savior, He is the Savior. If you're here today and your ship is rocking back and forth and you need an anchor of your soul, He becomes the anchor of your soul. If you need some understanding today, if you need somebody to listen to you today, if you need somebody to put an arm around you today, whether anybody else does it or not, He can be that understanding standing person. He can be that listener today. He can wrap his arms around you today and let you know that he is the I am that I am. He's everything that we need today. He's more than enough today. He's more than what the presence will do for you this Christmas. He's more than what's underneath the Christmas tree. He's more than a be in 2017. He is more than enough today. Amen. He's more than enough. I don't know about you, but can you explain God? No. Have you ever tried to explain God? We can't explain God. We can't describe Him except that He has given us of the words that He put in His Scripture. We can't increase Him. We can't decrease Him. We can't even expound upon Him. I am that I am, He said. When He said that, it tells us that He is self-existent. He has his being of himself. When he said that, it tells us that he is eternal and he's unchangeable and he always is the same. The Bible says today, yesterday, and forever. When he said that, we know that he's incomprehensible. When he said that, we know that he is faithful and he's true to all of his promises. He's unchangeable in his word as well as in his nature today. You can't change God. I can't change God. God is God and he always will will be God. From beginning of time to the end of time, God is still God. And God says, I am. And there is nobody else like me. All have their being from me. And everybody is dependent upon me. Let me just stop here long enough and tell you, if you're sitting here this morning and you think, I've done all of this myself. 
then you're badly fooled. If you're thinking this morning, I am who I am because of me, then you're badly mistaken. Can I, can I just tell you just from my perspective, I ain't nothing, but I'm everything with God. Hello, do you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say? I may be nothing, but with God, I'm everything. I can't explain God, but God can explain everything. I don't understand how this human body works, but he understands because he created this human body. Amen. I am that I am, he said. There's none besides me. When you look over in John chapter 8, through, uh, although Jesus, he often qualifies this statement of I am, explaining what and who he is, he doesn't always. In verse number 12, he made this statement. He says, I am the light of the world. He says he follows I am with the light of the world. Follow me. In verse 16 and 18, he says, I am one with the Father. In verse 23, he says, I am from above. In verse 28, he says, here it happens again. He sees their unbelief and he claims and he says, you may not believe today, but you will one day in the future see that everything that I've been telling you is true. In the future, you will see that I was in the beginning and evermore will be the timeless one because I am the great. Great I am. Amen. He's the great I am. I'm going to give you some things this morning real quickly that about Jesus that all of us have experienced probably many times. But a lot of times we've often overlooked and we forget about. Jesus reminds us all the time in Scripture and through His goodness. Matter of fact, I was sitting in Sister Shirley's memorial service yesterday and Brother Terry began to lead this song, How Great Thou Art. And I just was thinking there, Brother Sam, about God, you really are great. There's not a God greater than you. There is no God greater than you. All the claims, all the accusations of, of maybe others, but God, there's nobody like you. And I begin to weep because, God, I recognize in my human frailty, you look down in my sin, you look down in my junk, and you saw worth in me. And not only did he do that to me, he done that to you as well. Church, don't take for granted why you're sitting here today. Don't take for granted your salvation today. Don't take for granted. Don't misunderstand what the Lord, the price that was paid for your soul today. Amen. But he reminds us often about the grace of God. Isn't grace wonderful? Isn't grace wonderful? Grace. God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of my sin. God's grace. I may not be able to forgive you, and you may not be able to forgive me, but can I tell you, God's grace helps us to be possible to do that. His grace, there's no measure of His grace. His grace is, is limitless. It goes beyond all human imaginations. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians, he told Paul, he said, Paul, I want you to understand something. My grace is sufficient for you. It's sufficient for you. That's the I am that's working in Paul's life. That's the I am that's working in our life. Paul, whatever you need, my grace will take care of it. Whatever you need, my grace will take care of it. Why? Because I am that I am. What a promise that is. We know that according to Scripture, to whom much is given, much is required. Because Luke 12 and 48 says, For unto whoever much is given of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. 
What are you talking about, Pastor? It's by this that one is saved. Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace you are saved through faith. Aren't you thankful that by grace we're saved today? Not of ourselves, but it's the gift of God that comes into our life and saves our soul. Isn't it amazing how God can take an old, hard-nosed man or a, or a lady that just that doesn't want anything to do with God and, and the Spirit of God, Brother Sam, just one touch can touch them and can just tear their life apart and melt their old, cold, hard, calloused heart. And they can give their heart to the Lord. That's the grace of God. Church, I know you know this, but let me, let, me, let me just remind you one more time. You understand you're sitting here today because of grace. There's some of you, the lifestyle that you are living, God, nobody even liked you. Nobody cared nothing about you. But God's grace looked down through time. God's grace cared about you. God's mercy come to where you were. Amen. I don't know of anything better to talk about in this Christmas season than the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. That's why Sister Shirley, on November the 7th, when I talked to her, said, Brother Danny, can you just imagine, in three or four months, I'll be able to behold him face to face. Well, she made it faster than that. But can I tell you today, our loved ones that has passed on, passed on in Christ, they're beholding him face to face today. Amen. Why do you know that? Because my word says to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. If I'm going to live on this life, I'm going to serve him. If I'm going to live for Christ, I'm going to live for him. Paul says for me to live is Christ. For me to die is what? His gain. Amen. The grace of Almighty God. It's by his grace that neither you or I dropped off into hell this week. You ever thought about that? It's by His grace. But not only that, the Lord reminds us sometimes that I am the glory of God. I'm the glory of God. It's seen often often in the suffering of His saints. When you look back in Acts chapter 7, there's a guy by the name of Stephen. Remember Stephen? Stephen was the one that was, that was stoned. The Bible says they looked at him as he was being stoned and the glory was on his face. Well, why do you think that was? I don't know about you, but I think he was actually looking into the heavenly worlds. I think he was seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I think he was recognizing the fact that I'm going to see him face to face. There was John on the Isle of Patmos. How many dying saints have testified of the glory that they witnessed in the crossing over to heaven? Karen reminded me, I didn't know this, but some of you knew Bob Rogers. That, that passed away recently over the last several weeks. I didn't, I didn't realize this, but they said right before he died, that he was in bed, and he hadn't been able to speak. He hadn't been able to do anything. He hadn't been able to raise his hands or anything. But right before he passed away, he put his arm up in the air. And his wife was there. She tried to put it back down. And while she was trying to put it down, he put both arms up in the air. And he sat straight up in the bed and looked. What else can you, what else can you explain that a little bit, it just could be that the Lord allowed him to look across Sister Mavis right before he went and took him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My grace is sufficient for you, says the Lord. If you're here today and you've not recognized my grace, 
All you've got to do is reach out and touch me. I want you just to lift your hands real quick. Just to give him honor and give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your glory. Thank you, Lord, I pray. Thank you, Lord, I pray. Thank you, Lord, I pray. Hallelujah. The glory of God is seen through the sinlessness of his son in John chapter 17. In verse 4, it's seen in his majesty. He said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. In John 17 and 5, it says, And now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory of, of which I had with thee before the world was. We see the glory of God through manifestations through our lifetime and what God has done for us in our life. In, in, in John verse six, 17, verse 6, it says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. We have witnessed the glory of God through the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 8, when it says, I have given unto them the words which thou gavest gavest me and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee, from thee and they have believed that thou didst send me. Can I ask you a question this morning church? I know you're sitting here so you've got to have some belief in the Lord but do you really, really, really believe in him? Do you really believe in him? And if you believe in him and if you believe in his word then are you following are you walking the path? Are you following the scriptures as it leads to our walk in our life with the Lord today? Are we doing what we're supposed to do? And if not, then why? Why are we not doing exactly what he tells us to do? We see the glory of God through his might. In John 17 and verse 2, the Bible says that thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. God is proud of his son, just like we are our children today. He's proud of what the Lord Jesus Christ done on the cross of Calvary. He may not have liked it. He may have had to turn his face, but he done it, Brother Roger, for a reason, that you and I might be saved today. Amen. Can I tell you that the glory of God is seen even in the substitute of sin? Only God could die for sin. He didn't have to, but he did it anyway. He died for our sin. Only God could pay the ransom price. Only the creator could die for the creation. The I am that I am. When Adam sinned, sin was born inside him and was passed on to all mankind after that, just like you and I. When we were born, we were born into sin. But aren't you thankful for grace? Aren't you thankful for mercy? Aren't you thankful for the glory of God? Aren't you thankful for the salvation of God whereby we can have a life today? Amen. We can have a life today. Not only to the glory of God, and the, but we also see this when he talked about I am the gift of God. Now, we're in Christmas season. We're all about gifts. We're all about putting presents underneath the tree, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all, blessing our children, blessing our kids, blessing our grandkids, blessing our mom and dad, our brothers and sisters, all of those things. But can I tell you, 
An old, old familiar verse of Scripture in John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. That he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. But have everlasting life. (coughs) Eternal life with the Lord. Romans 6 and 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sister Michelle, I want you to come. Just begin to play softly. I want to finish with this little thought right here. What is a gift to you? What is a gift to you? You understand that a gift is not something that can be earned. It's something that has to be given. Can't earn it. Can't earn it. Most of of what we give as gifts to our friends is, is really, when we think about it sometimes, is merely some type of a payback because they gave us something. I don't want you to raise your hands, but how many of you go through every, every Christmas season, you know, rushing around trying to get something for somebody because they gave you something? Now, there's nothing wrong with that. You're trying to be nice and trying to be polite. I, I get all of that. But a lot of that, that's what it is. But can I tell you that God didn't owe you nothing? That's an awesome thought. He didn't owe us anything. He didn't owe me nothing. If someone takes us out to lunch, we feel a lot of times we've got to return the favor. But, but a gift does not demand repayment. It doesn't demand a repayment. Man had nothing coming. Thus, God didn't have anything that he had to pay back. The cool thing about God is, is that he paid up front. Some of you have done this before, I know, but I like these things where they, this pay forward stuff, you know. You'll catch somebody behind you in a, uh, in a, uh, in a uh, restaurant or a fast food place or whatever. And you'll say, tell the person, hey, whoever, whatever this person ordered, I'm taking care of theirs. This, I'm going to pay it forward. And when they get up there, you know, they don't, have nothing, they don't have nothing to pay. God paid up front before the world began. Ephesians 1 and 4 says this, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And the last thing I want to leave with you today is this. We talked about the manifestation. We talked about the glory. We talked about the the mercy and the grace of God. But Jesus says, I am the greatness of God. Yesterday at the service in Jonesboro, we was at the end of the service. We was sitting around. I was talking to Brother Terry Watson. And, you know, we got to talking about grandchildren. Little Ella was running around. And we make this statement as grandparents. You know, if I thought it was going to be this good as grandparents, I would have never had children. We'd had grandparents first because of the greatness of, of what they mean and what they represent and what they do to us. Psalms chapter 8, the Bible says, How excellent is thy name in all the earth. The greatness of God. God had a son. His son was Jesus that came to live among you and I, to die for us. The greatness of God became flesh dwelt among man. Psalms 99 and verse 2 says, The Lord is great in Zion. 
He is high above the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. Psalms 96 and 4 says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared among all gods. Jesus basically says this Christmas, I am Christmas. And everything else that is, has ever been, or ever will be, I am. When a person gets saved, when they admit their sinfulness, when they recognize who God truly is, in a nutshell, this is what they're saying. I am not. I'm nothing. I've recognized my sin. I've recognized my life. I am nothing. And they begin to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he basically says to them in a nutshell, I am your everything. I'm your everything. Now I want you to think on that statement just a little bit. And we're going to pray. I am your everything. What is it you need this morning? What is it you have need of? Are you depressed? Are you tired? Are you lonely? Are you discouraged? I don't mean to get into this, but I know we've, we've had several deaths here in the church over the last few months. But has those deaths stopped you from living? Has those deaths stopped you from giving? Has the trauma and what you've walked through sort of stifled your joy and your peace? Listen, church, Jesus is your everything. He's your joy. He's your peace. Peace that the Bible says, Brother Sam, that passes all understanding. He's what makes me get up every morning and put one foot in front of the foot and the other end, and move forward. He's the reason that we're able to look ahead and we're able to see a future out there. He's the reason that I'm not despondent and I'm not having fear today because He is in control today. Oh, yes, we got our emotions. I get that. I understand all of that. And we've got to do that because that's part of our healing process. But don't allow the calamities of life Don't allow the tragedies of life. Don't allow the things that this world has to give you and pass along to you that it would hinder our walk and our relationship with God. Don't allow it to do that because recognize the fact that He is the great I Am. God told Moses, Moses, when you go, you tell him, I Am has sent you. When you go and you talk to the Israelites, you tell them, I am that I am. It's not that I was. It's not that I'm not. I am that I am. That little statement right there ought to recognize the fact for you and I that we can stand up strong and throw our shoulders square and say, Lord, anything is possible with you. Anything is possible with you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed very quickly. Hallelujah. The Lord has already begun to speak in this message. And I believe with all of my heart it went to somebody today. 
You may be here this morning in the balcony in this main floor. You say, Pastor, I, I don't understand the grace that you're talking about. I don't understand the mercy that you're discussing this morning. I don't understand the great I am today. I don't know how in the world he can look down upon my life and forgive me of my sin. I'm going to tell you, he, had, he can and he will. I don't know how God can take what I'm going through today and deliver me. I don't know how he can take my sorrow and make me have joy today. I don't know how he can give me hope for the future. But can I tell you, he can. He can. And all we've got to do is look to him and put our trust in him. If you would be bold enough today, I may have listed one of the things that maybe you're walking through today. Whether it's salvation, whether it's loneliness, whether it's despair, whether it's sorrow, whether it's no joy, and on and on. If you'd be bold enough today, say, Pastor, I want to come to the front. And I want you to pray with me that God would take this situation in my life and turn it around. I want to ask you to come and get up out of your seat and come this morning. I want to take a little time to pray with you today. I believe God can do it. I believe God can touch you today. Now, if you're okay, you don't have to come. But if you're sitting here today, why sit in your misery? Why sit in your fear? Why sit when the sorrow is so overwhelming? Why sit and not come and allow the Lord Jesus to wrap his arms around you today in the name of Jesus? Would you come? From all over this house, would you come? Would you allow his mercy? Would you allow his grace to be applied to you today? Would you allow it to come into your heart today? Would you give your heart to the Lord today for what he's done and ministered to you today? In Jesus' name, Father, you see every person in this house today. You know their heart today. You know their life today. I'm asking you this morning, Lord, I'm asking you this morning, Lord, that you administer to a heart today. I'm asking you this morning that you would touch today. Holy Spirit, you come down and do what I can't do. Holy Ghost, you come down and you wrap your arms around these that's in this altar today and say the things that they need to hear today. Speak, oh God, and give us comfort where we need it. Give us comfort where we need it today. In the name of Jesus. Now, church, I want to ask you just to stand all over this house as we go and minister to these in this altar today. Would you just pray for these that's in this altar today as we minister to them? Just keep, keep the Lord on your heart today.